Good morning. This week we launch a new preaching series and I've been really excited about this because it's something which is relevant to each one of us. Each and every one of us will find something in here that helps us in our Christian journey. The title of the series is Faith Over Fear and this morning um, we're having an introduction session to the series. Now Fear is one of those things that plays tricks on us. It does funny things with us. And as Christians, we can often fall into the trap of thinking that somehow we shouldn't be afraid of anything. You would have heard it said, I'm sure, that the Bible has more than 365 references to do not be afraid. 365 times it says, do not be afraid. Some translations have slightly less, some have slightly more. But it is clear that throughout Scripture there is a very clear commandment not to be afraid. Now, I've not got an exhaustive list, but I have put together a list of some of the places in which we will find that commandment. So the first time that we come across the instruction, do not be afraid, is in Genesis 15, and it's said to Abraham. He's the first person to hear from God the instruction, the command, do not be afraid. But it occurs a few more times. Here's just a, a bit of a list of, um, of other places. So Abraham's the first person to hear it. We then have Haggai, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Samuel, Elijah, Isaiah, Nehemiah, Job, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Haggai, Daniel, Joel, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi, Mary, Joseph, the 12 disciples. It's also mentioned in the Psalms many, many times, in the Book of Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, throughout the major prophets, the minor prophets. Paul says it in Romans, the writer of the Hebrews says it. It's repeated in Philippians, in Peter, in John, and finally it appears in Revelation. That is by no means an exhaustive list. There are hundreds of times in the Bible when we read the command, do not be afraid. And so, as Christians, it can be very easy for us to fall into the trap of feeling guilty when inevitably we do feel afraid. But we shouldn't fall into that trap because fear actually can be a very positive thing. Being afraid, being um, uh, scared of something, having fear in us is not a bad thing. In fact, sometimes it's necessary, it's helpful. If I go for a walk at Beachy Head, for example, fear stops me from getting too close to the edge. I might want to have a look over and see what's down there, but fear is the thing that stops me getting so close that I'm going to overbalance and fall. It's the fear of falling and splattering onto the rocks below. Or if I need to cross a road, fear is the thing that makes me stop and rather than blindly run across in the hope that I don't get hit, fear stops me and makes me look both ways and listen and make sure the coast is clear before I cross. Now some of you will say well that's common sense and I agree but fear and common sense often walk hand in hand. Fear is not necessarily a bad thing. So when the Bible says do not be afraid it is not saying live without fear. None of us can live without fear but none of us can live without faith either. Now, sometimes in scripture, we read verses that talk about not being afraid and we can come away feeling a little bit despondent, a little bit discouraged because we can, we can think, well, that's great that the, the psalmist or Paul or whoever it is we're reading, 
they, didn't, they could face a problem and they could say, God says, do not be afraid, so I'm not going to be afraid. But I still do. I know my Bible tells me not to be afraid, but I still feel afraid. I still live with that fear. Psalm 91, the psalmist writes, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. He says, if you dwell with the Lord Most High, if you put your faith in God, if God is at the centre of your life, then you won't fear those things. I don't know about you, but I like to think that most of the time, I manage to keep God at the centre of my life, that my life revolves around my faith, my, my, my trust in God. But I still feel fear. There are still th- certain things in life that make me feel fear. But we need to note something here. The psalmist doesn't say, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will never be scared of anything. He just says, you won't fear the terror of the night. The night will still hold terror, there will be, still be terror at night. The arrows that fly by day. Yep, you'll still be under attack during the day. There'll still be terror at night. But with God on your side, you don't need to live in fear of it. You can overcome that. And so throughout this preaching series, we're going to be looking each week at faith over the fear of. And there's going to be specific things that we're going to look at. We're going to look at faith over the fear of doubt. Faith over the fear of giving, faith over the fear of the unknown, these things that we all wrestle with from time to time. Now, of course, we're not going to be talking about phobias. If you are scared of spiders, then please don't expect a week where we're preaching on the fear of spiders and that by the end of that sermon, you're going to be cured of your phobia. There is a difference between a phobia and a fear. We are looking at what it means to live with fear as a Christian, walking side by side with God. Now, of course, this week, for many of us, we would have looked out of our windows and seen snow. And if you're anything like me, you would have felt a rush of excitement because I felt really let down this year. So far, it felt like every week the weather forecasters have promised snow. And I've got myself all excited because I love snow. And then in the morning, I've opened the curtains and sure enough, it's just been wet and grey and miserable and cold and there's been nothing to get excited about and so I must admit this week when I saw the forecast I thought yeah whatever I'll believe it when I see it and so I was really really pleased when I opened the curtains on Monday morning and there was snow and it wasn't just a little bit of snow there was some proper snow and then we had some more and I love it it's great and we've had loads and loads of fun um, as a family making the most of of the snowfall but I'm fully aware that for many people snow carries with it fear because for many people when your garden path freezes over you suddenly have a fear of walking on the snow because as the snow compacts it forms ice and when it refreezes overnight that ice crust becomes treacherously slippery and people slip over and break bones and have some pretty nasty accidents in the ice and that means that it carries with it a fear Now, as Christians, when we encounter a fear, what do we do? We pray. When you opened your front door this week and saw the driveway covered in ice, you had a choice. You could have just shut the door again and gone back to bed. 
fair enough. But many of us can't do that. Many of us either have to get to work or to school or to, um, to, to get out to the shops. It might just be taking the bins out. It could be anything. But we need to overcome this fear. And so, of course, you, you, can, you can go to the kitchen, boil the kettle and tip a kettle of boiling water over the, over the snow. And you can then watch it instantly melt away. Fantastic. Problem solved. You can walk down the path and, and you, can, you can go off and do what you need to do. But, of course, that water will just sit there in a puddle. And the temperature is still sub-zero. And so that water, when it loses its heat, will freeze. And the problem will still be there. The fear will return. We live in a world where we expect instant gratification. We're so used to having a problem and you can order the solution off Amazon and the next day it's there. Or you can Google it and find it out. We live in a world where we expect to be able to solve our problems, to overcome our fears like that. And so when we find something doesn't quite work like that, we get very frustrated. And so prayer can be a frustrating process. Because when you opened your front door, If you chose not to put a kettle of boiling water over your driveway or your path, then the other option you would have had would be to get some rock salt. Now I've got a scoop of rock salt here, and as you can see, it's pretty snowy. So I'm just going to scatter some of this salt over the ground. And of course what you'll notice as I do this is that actually the problem doesn't go away. The snow and the ice are still there. Sometimes when we pray, when we're facing a fear, we pray into it and nothing happens. We say amen and the, prayer is, the, the fear is still there. The problem is still there. And we think, oh, fat lot of good that was. In the same way, The snow and the ice are still there behind me. If I walk on this, I'm still going to do my best Darcy Bustle impression and probably end up flat on my backside. But I know that the salt is working. I know that what I've just scattered over the next however long it takes, the next amount of time that it takes, it's going to melt that snow and that ice and that patch of ground will be safe to walk on. It's very similar with prayer. When something before, when, when a fear is encountered, we pray over it. And then we have to just trust that that prayer will be answered. That God will work to overcome that fear. That that problem will go away. We have to be the ones to actually pray into it. We have to do something about it. We can't just say, I'm going to wait. We can't just say, I'm just going to walk over this problem i'm just going to i'm just going to take on this fear without praying if we pray into a problem just like if we scatter salt over the ground then the problem will slowly but surely melt away the salt will do its job well do you know what prayer does its job as well salt takes a certain amount of time to work sometimes prayer can take a certain amount of time to work you can't see salt working sometimes you can't see prayer working But when we come across something in life that that fills us with fear, fills us with dread, where we do feel afraid, God says, do not be afraid. Not because you're stupid, because you're pathetic, because you're weak, because fear is a sign of, of a lack of faith. Not that. God says, do not be afraid because I'm here with you. Call on me and I will help you. Prayer is like scattering salt over an iced path. 
it sits there, it works, and eventually the thing that we were afraid of, we can overcome. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I'm well aware that Jesus wasn't talking about rock salt. Jesus wasn't um, of a culture where rock salt was thrown on icy paths and snow. That didn't happen until the 1940s. It was first done in Detroit, apparently. Um, Jesus wouldn't have have known that. He was talking about salt as a preservative to put on food, to, to prevent meat from going bad. Salt was used to preserve food. But he says, you are the salt of the earth. And I don't think it's... I don't think Jesus would disapprove of using the salt analogy. You are the salt of the earth. When you come across something in life that fills you with fear, when the path ahead of you looks like it's treacherous and icy and covered in snow, when you know there are pitfall, pitfalls and, and, and slippery bits just waiting to trip you up, you are the salt of the earth. You are the ones who can pray over it. We as Christians, we as followers of Jesus can pray. And we can never underestimate the power of prayer. We must never underestimate what difference prayer can make. Now, fear does funny things to us. Sometimes fear plays tricks on the mind. I don't know what stage of life you're at, but I'm at the stage of life where I'm the proud owner of a seven-year-old boy, which means that for the past few years, I've been very well versed in the Gruffalo stories. And the Gruffalo stories are a fascinating study of the way that fear works. It starts off with this tiny little mouse in a wood. It's a children's story. I know this isn't an all-age service, but I make no apology for that. It starts off with this tiny little mouse in a wood, and the mouse is the smallest, most vulnerable creature in this wood. And the mouse goes walking through the wood, and he comes across a fox, and the fox tries to coerce him back into his burrow to eat him for lunch. And the mouse tells the, tells the fox that he's off to meet a gruffalo, and he describes some of the more terrifying features of the gruffalo. And um, as far as the mouse is concerned, the gruffalo is just a mythical creature. And he tells the fox that his favourite food is, is roasted fox. And the fox thinks, whoa, right, I'm, I'm off. I don't like the sound of this gruffalo. So the mouse goes on his journey. He meets an owl. The owl wants to take the mouse um, back to his nest again to eat for lunch. And the mouse tells the owl about the gruffalo and some pretty scary features of the gruffalo and says that his favourite food is owl ice cream. The owl gets scared and flies away. The mouse carries on. He comes across a snake. The same thing happens. He describes the gruffalo and tells the snake that the gruffalo's favourite food is scrambled snake. And so the snake slithers away in fear of this mythical gruffalo. Then the mouse carries on his walk and actually comes across a real gruffalo. And the gruffalo is big and he's, he's terrifying, he's a great big hairy monster thing. And the mouse is terrified and the gruffalo picks the mouse up and says, you'll, you'll make a tasty snack, you look good. And the mouse says, good, don't call me good, I'm the scariest thing in this wood. And the gruffalo says, prove it. And so the mouse then retraces his steps and he comes across the snake. And the snake takes one look at the mouse and sees the gruffalo behind him and thinks, ah! and the snake runs away. They then carry on. He sees the owl. The owl swoops down to get the mouse. Suddenly he sees the gruffalo and flies away in fear. 
same thing happens with the fox. And so by the end of the story, the Gruffalo looks at this tiny little mouse and thinks, Every, everyone's terrified of you. You must be the scariest creature in this wood. I'm, I'm having nothing to do with you. I'm keeping my distance. And so the Gruffalo disappears as well. And so the mouse has manipulated the fear of all these different predators so that he himself is protected. It's a fascinating study of the, the mechanics of fear and the way that, that our minds work in the sequel to The Gruffalo. There's, uh, it's called The Gruffalo's Child, and it's a few years later. The Gruffalo has obviously met a Mrs. Gruffalo, and there's a baby Gruffalo. And whilst the, father, the, the, the Gruffalo is asleep in a cave, the baby Gruffalo wants to go and meet the big bad mouse. He's heard stories of this mouse that lives in the wood and how, how big and scary he is and the, the, the legend of the big bad mouse has grown over time. I won't talk you through the whole story but there's a scene near the end where the Gruffalo's child has gone through the wood and met different creatures along the way and heard these different statements about the big bad mouse and he hasn't found the big bad mouse, he's disappointed, and then suddenly he sees this little field mouse. And so he grabs the little mouse, which is the same little mouse as was in the first book, and he thinks, I'm going to eat you, make a nice snack, and then I'm going to go back home. And the mouse says, wait, if you want to meet the big bad, bad, big bad mouse, I'll summon him. And the Gruffalo's child says, okay, so he lets him go. And the mouse goes running up into the branches of a tree, and he stands there. And he calls the big bad mouse. And he says to the Gruffalo's child, look over there. And the Gruffalo's child stands and looks. And at that moment, the moon comes out from behind the clouds. The clouds part and the moon's light shines down. And the shadow of the tree is cast across the field. And of course, standing in the tree is this tiny little mouse. But the shadow is huge. And the Gruffalo's child looks down on the floor and sees this massive mouse standing before him. And he's terrified. And he doesn't stop to, to look to see where the shadow's coming from. Instead, he runs. And he runs all the way back through the woods and eventually gets back to his cave and snuggles down next to his, his father, the, the main Gruffalo. You see, the Gruffalo's child doesn't look to see where the fear's coming from. He doesn't come back to the root cause. He just looks at the shadow, and the shadow fills him with terror. The Bible's quite clear about what lurks in the shadows, what lurks in the absence of light, what lurks in the darkness. And we're encouraged, as well as to be the salt of the earth, Jesus tells us that you, us, we, are the light of the world. Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So when we think of the number of times that, that we, we've, been, we've been afraid of what might happen, rather than looking at the reality and thinking, well, this is where I am now and I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm going to pray into this and I'm going to act as if, as if the, the best will happen. Instead, we allow the shadow of the fear to be the thing that we focus on. We allow that shadow to grow and grow and grow before us until we find that our fear is bigger than our faith. And that is the point 
where we need to go back to scripture and read any one of those 365 odd references where God tells us, do not be afraid. That is the point where we need to redress the balance between faith and fear and make sure that in our lives and in our hearts, our faith is over our fear. A great example of this comes in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. We read about King Hezekiah. He was king over Israel at this time. And suddenly, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, invades. And Hezekiah hears of this, and he hears that that the Assyrians have brought with them a huge army, much bigger than the army that Hezekiah commands. And they've started to invade different towns and, and, and surround fortified cities. And Hezekiah thinks, right, what do we do? And so it's interesting. Hezekiah lets his light shine before men. He doesn't shy away. He doesn't hide. He doesn't cower in fear. Instead, the first thing he does, he starts finding practical things. Let's cut off the water supply so that this invading army don't have a ready supply of water. Let's make sure that we fortify Jerusalem and and build, um, build more walls and dig more ditches so that this is a fortress which is impenetrable. And then listen to this. After he's done all that, he appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate. So you can imagine in in Jerusalem, he he, he doesn't say come into the the temple or into the palace. He says, we're going to go to the gate because at the gate, that is where this battle is going to be won and lost. This is the gate where we are going to stand and fight and win. He goes to the city gate. He calls the people round him. And scripture says he encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there's greater power with us than there is with him. With him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And what happened as a result of this? The people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. You see, Hezekiah had a choice there. He could have thought, oh crikey, this is awful. I need to surrender. I need to try and um, uh, uh, negotiate terms with the Assyrians. But instead, no. He lets his light shine. He points to God. He says, don't forget, we might have the army that they've got, but we've got God on our side. And so we're not going to be fearful of them. We're going to prepare. We're going to take practical steps. We're going to occupy ourselves. We're not going to dwell on the problem. Instead, we're going to make sure that we do everything we can to protect ourselves. But we are also going to focus on the fact that God is on our side, that we have God backing us. And if that's the case, if our faith is in God, we don't need to be afraid of the Assyrians. We don't need to fear them. We can stand before them. We can stand at this gate and fight them off. They might look scary, yeah, but we've got God on our side. And so our faith overcomes our fear. God led Hezekiah to a great victory. And the king of Assyria went back in shame and was eventually executed by his own sons for failing to take Jerusalem.
Hezekiah's example shows us what it means to let our light shine, to be proud of our faith. In times when others are fearing what's going on around us, we can, we can trust in God. You see, Hezekiah didn't know what was going to happen. He had absolutely no idea. He could have chosen to live in fear. He could have chosen to show people that that he didn't know what was going to happen. But instead, rather than doing that, rather than allowing fear to filter down through his troops and through his people and and for the whole city to be be just waiting to be invaded, instead he led with, with faith. He led with certainty. He led with God. Most of the time, our fears are based on what we don't know. Our fears are based on what might happen but hasn't yet happened. And it's very easy for us to forget that actually God is in control, that God knows what happened yesterday, what will happen tomorrow. He can see the the whole tapestry of time laid out before him. He knows what we're going through and where we're going with it. Corrie ten Boom who spent time in a Nazi concentration camp, described, described fear like this. She said, It's only human to feel fear. It's as if we are standing as we go through life, behind a massive tapestry. And all we can see from the back of this tapestry is this mess of threads and stitches And we can't see what it's supposed to be showing. We can't see what the point is of each individual thread that comes through. But we just have to accept that this mess is under control by someone or something. And one day, the time comes for us to step across the the tapestry from back to front. And we get to stand alongside the master weaver and we get to see exactly what this tapestry looks like we get to see the artistry we get to see the necessity of each individual stitch and each individual thread and this whole thing suddenly makes sense and we realize there's nothing to be afraid of because God's in control she says we've got to fix our eyes on God And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, we are told, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. This is Jesus who was fully man yet fully God. This is Jesus who in Gethsemane prayed so hard that he sweat blood. Why? Because he was fearful. He was fearful of the cross. Of course he was. He knew what he was about to go through. He knew that any second he was going to be arrested and and taken and tried and tortured and, and flogged and beaten and eventually crucified on the cross. He knew he was going to go through that. But his faith was bigger than his fear. He set that example to us and he calls us to follow that example. I just want to finish up this morning by sharing that 
a few years ago, um, we had the privilege of going to America on holiday and visiting Niagara Falls with some really good friends of ours. And while we were there, it was, it was just amazing. If you've ever been, you'll know what I'm talking about. This huge, huge waterfall, really high, just vast quantities of water pouring over it every second. It's, it's a wonder to behold. And I read about the people who have walked the tightrope across Niagara Falls. And I thought, how on earth can anybody do that? How on earth can anybody hold their nerve to walk across a tightrope with this raging torrent, this, this boiling cauldron of water below them? If they fall, then surely death is not far away. How can people do that? What it comes down to is that a tightrope walker, when they're walking along, they keep their eyes fixed on the horizon. They keep their eyes fixed on a point to make sure that they they can sense whether they're overbalancing or not. They keep their eyes fixed on their destination. In the Christian walk, the destination is Jesus. The destination is the cross. The destination is getting to the point where we are welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. And that's why Paul says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Fear isn't something we should feel guilty about. Fear is a natural part of life. Fear is something which we, it protects us, it can help us, it can warn us, it can save us. But it shouldn't be something that rules our life. Our faith must overcome our fear. And so in this preaching series, we're going to be looking at faith over the fear of a whole number of subjects, a whole number of things that potentially we might live in fear of. And hopefully, just hopefully, by the end of this series, you'll feel a little bit closer to God and your faith would have grown that little bit bigger and your fear would have shrunk. Have a great week. Stay safe. Keep off the ice and be blessed. But remember... When you, when you live in fear of something, the best thing you can do is scatter the salt of prayer. Because that is the way that as a Christian we face our fears and overcome our problems. Walking with God, there's no path too treacherous for him to go down. Have a great week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you that you call us to place our trust in you. Thank you that you are a God who never leaves us and never forsakes us. You never let us down. You never abandon us. You never look at a problem in life and say, whoa, that's too big for me. Father, you are bigger than any problem that we will ever encounter. And Father, we know that sometimes we we find ourselves... in in such difficulties we simply don't know where to turn we don't know what to do father we know we can always turn to you you are our god we are your children and we pray that you will help us to make sure that our faith always overcomes our fear so father bless us this week and bless us as we go through this preaching series Father, we pray that you will help us to learn, to draw closer to you. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit and for your son. And it's in his name that we say together this morning. Amen.
Amen.